What's up, everybody? Uh, so as Corey mentioned, we've got a lot of people out today. Um, we've got a big group down in Florida. I'm not sure how many we took, um, but I know it was a pretty, pretty good chunk of teens and college students. And I heard this morning, uh, just from our group, we've already had three people give their life to the Lord down there. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited about that. They had some ocean baptisms, uh, which I've been able to participate in. Uh, we do this retreat every year. Um, sometimes we take our kids to central Missouri. Sometimes we take them down to Florida. Uh, and we're actually able, if we go to Florida, to get really good uh, rates at like the resorts and stuff down there. And so we get to put the kids up in a nice hotel for not very much and then uh, do fun stuff like go play on the beach at night and baptize people in the ocean. So it is a, it is a good trip. Um, We'll have our full crowd back next week. We're actually going to be starting our theme series next week. Uh, if you guys were here last week, you already know we introduced uh, a new theme this year uh, called To Be Continued. And basically what we are doing uh, and what we're going to talk about is how our church here locally is the continuation of the story that we see in the Bible. And so we're going to help educate you guys this year to see your place in the story of God and what he's doing in the world through the church. And so it's going to be informative. It's going to be exciting as we jump into this, but it's also going to be really practical because one of the things that Jesus does as he teaches us and as we get closer to him is he invites us on the journey with him to carry out his mission into the world. And that's largely the purpose of life. That's how you can have the best life uh, is to engage with uh, God and what he's already doing. Um, what we are going to do today in the meantime is look at a, a chapter in the Bible that is intensely practical, that is going to bless you. And it's going to fit right along with the stuff we're going to be talking about in the future as well. Um, and I want to help you just encourage some healthy disciplines this year. I really want to see an emphasis on us getting into the word and getting in there regularly, uh, individually, so that we're making these applications individually. Uh, we're going to look today at Psalm 1, and I'm just going to read through this initially, and then we're going to go through and break it down, and that's going to be our lesson for today. Uh, let me pray for us, and then I'm going to read this passage together, okay? Uh, God, as we open your word today, um, help me to communicate clearly the truth that's here. God, help us to hear it clearly and help us to apply it faithfully. We can come here and open the Bible and study it all day long, God, but if we don't apply it at the end of the day, it was just a waste of time. So help us not to waste time. Help us to be faithful. Help us to take your word and do what it says, because that's how we can have the best life available to us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So I'm just going to read through this out of the NIV. Um, this is something that was written by David. Now, I want to uh, point this out to you. Every six-year-old in the kingdom of the Israelites back when this was written would have had this memorized, okay? Now, we don't do a lot of scripture memorization. A lot of you guys don't know this, but every single Jewish kid learned the first five books of the Bible by heart by the time they were six years old. By the time they were six years old. Did you guys know that? You think you can't memorize scripture? You have no idea what your brain is capable of. I'm telling you, you just never have pushed it. You don't have a clue. You can do a lot more than you can. Every kid by six years old had the first five books of the Bible memorized word for word. By the time they were adults, a lot of those kids had the whole Old Testament memorized. The whole thing, word for word. 
Think about that. That's a lot. One of the things all of them also had memorized, whether they were great students, like the best students would have the whole thing memorized. Okay, the very best. It wasn't everybody. The very best. But everybody had the first five books memorized, and everybody had the book of Psalms memorized. Now, Psalms is a little easier because Psalm is the songbook that they sang out of. And so what we're reading today is the first song or prayer in this book of song and prayer, which is known as the book of Psalms. And it was a song that would be sung. So we're actually going to learn today from a song. This is one that was written by David. David was a, a, a fantastic musician. He loved to sing. And a lot of his prayers and, and, and things he had to say to the Lord, he put in the form of song. And he honored God in that way. So here's David's song that we're going to learn from today. Psalm 1 starts out in verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. You've got some notes in your bulletin. Uh, I want to encourage you to pull those out. It's going to have the scriptures that we're going to look at on there. It's also going to have a space for you to take some notes. Uh, Guys, when you write stuff down, you just remember it better. There, there have been studies that have been done the, with a pen or a pencil. I mean, not typing. You actually remember it better. You cognitively uh, will recall stuff just because you wrote it down. And so I want to encourage you to write this stuff down because the stuff that I'm going to share with you today will change your life. And if you want your life to get better, if you're here today and you want your life to get better, if you feel like things aren't going the way, this is a way that you can be blessed by God. This starts right out saying, blessed is the one, okay? This is talking about blessed by God. Do you want to be blessed by God? Do you want to be blessed by God? Yeah. Okay, just making sure, right? Because this is how. He says, blessed is the one. Uh, in the NLT, it says, oh, the joys of the one. If you don't know what blessed means, it just means there's, there's joy to be had here. It means um, being in a very favorable circumstance with God. When you talk about being blessed, being in a very favorable circumstance with God, where God is looking and saying that's praiseworthy in them. This is praiseworthy in them. Where God is looking at you with special favor. That's what it means to be blessed. So what I'm going to give you is something you can do to be blessed. There are actually things, if you're saying, I don't have enough blessing in my life, here's some things you can practically do. Here's some things you can spend your time on where you invite God's special favor and God's blessing into your life. He starts out, number one, with taking advice from people who love Jesus. If I want to be blessed in my life, I need to take advice from people who love Jesus. Jesus, who love the Lord. Psalm 1.1b, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. In the New Living Translation, blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked. Most of the uh, various Bible translations render it in some form of that, where it's talking about taking advice, uh, taking counsel. 
Um, that word wicked, okay, this is one of those things we can get confused about. Whenever the Bible calls someone wicked, here in Psalms, David is writing, blessed is those who don't listen to the wicked, okay? You say, oh, well, who are the wicked? Now, if I got any of the kids in here to draw a picture of the wicked, like what are the wicked look like? What do you think they would come up with? Huh? Wicked witch. Wicked witch, okay. Anybody else? Mo I heard somebody say monsters. Okay, you think maybe they draw red eyes? Maybe they draw, like, where it's very obvious that this is a wicked person, right? A bad person. What are you going to say, Callie? Demon, yeah. Like, when you think of wicked, like, you instantly go to the very obviously wicked people, right? Like, the murderer, the rapist, the, the pedophile, whatever. Uh, that's where your mind goes when you think wicked. You want to know how the Bible defines wicked? Somebody who doesn't listen to God. That's it. You're not going to pick wicked out of a lineup. You're not going to because they're not obvious. It's just somebody who looks at God's word and says, I don't need to follow that. That's wicked. Somebody that looks at the Bible and says, I'm going to take this seriously and this seriously and this seriously and that over there. I don't want God to have that part of my life. That's wicked, okay? Wicked just means you don't listen to the word of God. Wicked means you don't listen to the counsel of the people of God who are informing you what the word of God says. When somebody brings you the word of God and you look at it and say, no, I'm not doing that, that's wicked, okay? Now that can seem... Uh, Sometimes more, more obviously wicked than others, God's saying that is wholly wicked. It's just to look and say, I don't care what God says or I don't care what God's word says. You may not even say that, okay? Maybe you say, I do care what God says, but then you don't follow it. That's still, that's wicked, okay? You guys get it? It's not some monster. It's just people who don't really care about God. That's it. It's not that big. This is the majority of the world, guys. And I'm not saying that to be mean or judgmental or anything. Like, I'm not looking down my nose and saying that. I'm just saying this is reality. Is most people don't sit around and make decisions and say, is, what, is this going to honor God or not? Most people just don't think that way. You have to learn to think that way. Okay? It takes discipline to think that way. Is it easier to live life in an undisciplined way or a disciplined way? Undisciplined, right? It's easier. That's what most people are going to do because they're not going to know any better, right? And so you need to understand when we say wicked, guys, we're talking about some of you and we're talking about me. When I look at God's word and say, I'm not doing that, that's wicked, okay? And if I consistently and habitually do that, I am a wicked man, okay? And I've been there and that needs to be understood. The wicked are contrasted with the wise in the Bible. You don't know the difference between wicked and wise in the Bible? Wicked is somebody who doesn't listen to God, and wise is somebody who listens to God. That's it. Wicked is somebody who does what God's word says, uh, or does not do what God's word says. Wise is somebody who does what God's word says. That's the difference. That's it. It's really simple when you think of it that way. He says... In Proverbs 13, 14, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life so that one may avoid the snares of death. When, when somebody who loves God and is seeking to follow God comes to you, 
you have a wise person, according to God's word, who is coming to you. When a wise person comes to you and gives you advice, this passage right here says it is the fountain of life. Okay? Have you ever think about the people who love God in your life giving you advice as giving you a fountain of life? That sounds like something pretty good. I mean, I want in on some of that, right? Fountain of life. I like life. Let's, let's do this, right? That's because that person is seeking to honor God with their life. They're coming and giving you something that's going to lead to your life because God is the source of life. Anytime somebody points you to the source of life and draws you nearer to the source of life, they're giving you life. Not because they have it, but because he does. And so you want to be close to him and you want to surround yourself with people that are close to him. You want to be around people that are pursuing him. And if you listen to people who don't love God, they're going to lead you one way. And if you listen to people who do love God, they're going to lead you another way. And one way does not go toward God and the other way does. And the wicked person over here may not have beady eyes. They may not look like a monster. They may not be demonic. It may be your mom or your grandma or a good friend. They just aren't close to God. That's it. You got to be careful for that. If you're going to be blessed by God, if you want to be blessed by God, you need to open your eyes to who you're listening to. Does this person love God or not? Secondly, if I want to be blessed by God, I will practice the godly discipline of being careful who my closest friends are. Of being careful who my closest friends are. This just means that I'm disciplined about who I spend the most of my time with. Uh, David writes, Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. In the NLT it says, or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. It's basically just talking about who you spend time with here, who you spend your time with. Uh, A sinner, again guys, this is just someone who misses the mark, someone who's a lawbreaker. Uh, When the Bible calls someone a sinner, you know, we kind of throw that word around, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. That's true. What that word means, though, is very, very serious. It means you are unrepentantly in violation of God's law. That's what it means to be a sinner. It means you, you don't care about following God. You, you have not repented. You're rebellious. You don't take correction, right? Uh, the mocker is also a term that shows up frequently in the book of Proverbs. It's uh, closely associated with the word fool, They often show up mocker and fool together. A mocker is just uh, someone who's proud and arrogant, who resists correction, uh, who is full of contempt, who is quick to use their words uh, harshly to condemn or in anger. Um, They don't take correction from God. You know, this is the person that if you come to them and try to help them, redirect some of their anger or they'll throw it back in your face. They'll get mad at you. Like that's typical fool behavior, mocker behavior. They're not going to change because they won't let anybody get close enough to them a lot of times to help them. Okay. Because they're constantly angry. Um, A primary characteristic, uh, again, guys, I just want to hit is they don't take correction from anybody. They always know best. They don't take correction. It says in Proverbs 9, 7 through 9, whoever corrects a mocker invites what? Insult. Insult. So you know what? When you're dealing with a mocker, you know what eventually you do? You leave them alone. 
you just quit messing with them. Because until their heart changes, there's nothing you can do for them anyway. Until they have a shift and are more soft and will take correction, there, there's nothing you can do. So you just have to sit and pray, basically, for their heart to change. You have to pray for that. Um, whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs what? Abuse. Why? Because they ain't trying to hear it, guys. They're not trying to be close to God. Sometimes people will fake it. Guys, most of the time, people just don't care, and they'll let you know. And so, right? You don't want to keep banging your head against the wall if they're just going to hit you in the face. Uh, do not rebuke a mocker. Do not rebuke mockers, or they will what? Hate you. Wow. So if you go and try to help somebody who is uncorrectable, they're just going to hate you for it. Right? Uh, rebuke the wise, and what will happen? Wow, what a contrast. You're telling me when somebody is serious about following God, they're going to listen to the people that God puts in their life, that love God and are seeking him. They're going to be open to that conversation. They're going to be open to that correction. But if somebody is a mocker or wicked, they're not. Guys, the primary characteristic of a fool in the book of Proverbs is they don't listen to correction. They constantly think they know best. And they do not listen to correction. I, I work with addicts. Guys, I'm an addict, okay? If I, if I say addict or talk about addict, I'm not looking down on anybody. I've used drugs half my life. I nearly killed myself time after time again. I've struggled with alcohol. I've struggled with every kind of drug you can think of. I am one of the most frustrating people in the world to deal with. Amen. My wife says amen. Part of that, guys, is, is I have been a fool for much of my life. And when I say fool, I just mean I won't take correction. I won't take uh, people coming and challenging me. Now, I've had to change that as I've matured and gotten older. But when I was younger, guys, I was a nightmare to deal with. Seriously, in the church. Because I was so bullheaded and I was a know-it-all. And, and I wouldn't listen. And it took God breaking me down. And by the way, if you're a fool, if you're in here this morning and you're a fool, what's going to happen to you if you don't change is your life is going to suck at some point. Because that's what God is going to do to you. He's going to bring you to your knees. Because sometimes what you need is a spanking. <laughs> what I need is a spanking, right? And I've gotten mine. That's why I'm different today. Whenever you act foolishly, the only way you're eventually going to end up is in the bottom of pig pen. And sometimes that pig pen is exactly what you need. But some of you guys, you, you, you just invite the pig pen because you won't listen. And I want to encourage you to change that. I want to encourage you to change that because you don't have to have the pig pen to learn, right? The wise among us, we learn by looking at the word of God and doing what it says the unwise among us, myself included, we don't just learn by looking at what the word says. We learn by getting some knots on our head, right? And God will teach you either way, but one way is pleasant and one way is not. But God will get you to the destination either way, right? I want to encourage you to take the pleasant route. Who you surround yourself with is very, very important. He says right here, if you surround yourself with wicked people, that's just people that don't love God. Okay, this isn't some monster. This is just somebody that doesn't love God. 
doesn't really care about church, doesn't really care about what the Bible says about something. That's wicked. And if you surround yourself with mockers, okay, a mocker, again, somebody that also doesn't care about God by their behavior, okay, they're quick to judge, they're quick to be mean, uh, they're quick to use their words harshly, they make fun of people a lot, they're sarcastic, like this is typical traits of a mocker, right? Um, if you surround yourself with people like that, and those are your primary relationships, and you don't have any other kinds of relationships, it's going to have an effect. In sociology, guys, social science, we call this the process of socialization. There are agents of socialization in, in your life, your whole life. A lot of them you can't control, like your family. The family you grow up in is going to have an effect. The neighborhood you grow up in is going to have an effect. Uh, if you are a little kid and go to daycare, okay, that's going to have an effect. Because the values uh, present in the group around you are going to have an effect. That's why you can take a little kid who's never bitten anybody, put him in a daycare, and two weeks later, he's biting all the other kids. Why? Because he picked it up in daycare. The culture of the daycare had an effect. It's the same with you and your friends. The people that you spend the most time with, over time, human tendency is to, is to adopt the values that are present in the culture around you. One of the things you have control over is the culture that you spend the most time with. This is why, part of why we do small groups the way we do them here. Um, we require them for membership, partly because uh, of the social effects that, that occur just through the relationships. If you don't put time in to those relationships and all your time is with people who don't love God at work or at school or at home, and you don't in, be intentional about cultivating those relationships with people that are really serious about following God, guys, it's going to have an effect. It's just going to have an effect. When you become a Christian, this is, this is one of the things that's really hard about being a Christian is uh, what social scientists would call resocialization. Whenever you go from one culture to another, you have to be re-socialized. That just means you learn new values. You learn new ways of thinking. Okay? If you come to church and become a Christian and nothing changes in your values or your thinking, you're doing it wrong. Because you're becoming a Christian, especially as an adult, will be one of the hardest things you've ever done in your life, if you're serious about it. Because you cannot be the same old person that you've been without Jesus and then start following Jesus and stay the same. It doesn't work like that. Okay? There are going to be ways of thinking that have to change. There are going to be patterns of behavior that have to change. The way you think about people, like the way I think about friends, is way different now than it was way back before I gave my life to the Lord. Right? There's, everything has to change. And so there's this process that you go through where you're learning new norms, values, attitudes, and behaviors to match this new life that you're living. And it's a process, right? Um, through community, you're going to learn to think in a more godly and Christ-like way. You're going to learn to embrace accountability. You're going to learn to be a great friend. You're going to learn to have a godly marriage. You're going to learn to have uh, how to raise good kids. Why? Because there's collective wisdom that you're tapping into. Okay? Um, this has been such a blessing to my life in so many different ways. I mean, just a little thing. Like, I remember sitting 
at, at lunch with my kid, with my kids at all. Uh, but Conrad was like two. And I was introducing my son to this guy across the table who was a believer who was, who was much further down the road than me. He had been a Christian like 40 years. I was still young, right? I'm like, hey, uh, this is my son Conrad. You got to watch him. He's, he's, he he kind of gets out of control sometimes. And the guy stopped me and said, hey, don't say that. Guy didn't know me, right? We were just meeting. He said, don't say that. Whenever you say stuff like that where he can hear it, you're setting expectations for him. Like, you can't do that to your son. Okay, just little stuff like that. Like, I don't know why that pops in my mind, but just little stuff like that. Why did I learn that? Because this older guy who cares about me and who cares about my family, who loves the Lord, just gave me a little something that I'm going to carry with me now. And you know what? I never made comments like that in front of my kid ever again. It, when I introduced him, I found reasons to praise him. Even though I was joking, I wasn't being serious. Like, I didn't mean it. It was a lesson that I took away. And guys, there are little things like that that you pick up over time if you're trying to be a man or a woman with a, just a good life, like you want a good family, you want good kids, the collective wisdom that is present in a community that loves Jesus will bless your life if you listen. But if you're one of those, and guys, we have so many people that grew up with broken families. So many of our people in here that are raising kids, we grew up in horrible situations. What makes you think you know how to raise a kid? Like we can be so arrogant sometimes with the decisions we make. What makes you think you have any clue what you're doing? Look at who raised you. I'm not saying that to be mean, guys. I'm just being honest. I know your stories. You're going to come with your own ideas because you think you know best. Where did you come from? Guys, tap into that wisdom and listen. When people are bringing you stuff, that there, there are genera there's generational wisdom that is carried on in the church that we need to listen to. We just need to listen to it. When you're a wise person, you'll help others become wise. Guys, in, in Proverbs 10, 17, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever nor ignores correction does what? Leads others astray. If you're a mocker, you're going to lead others astray. If you're a fool, you're going to lead others astray, right? But if you're wise, if you care about God, if you're serious about following him, if you heed correction, you're going to show others the way to life. But if you just say, I know best and I'm not listening to anybody, you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt others. It's very simple, right? If I want to be blessed by God, I've got to be disciplined about who I choose to have as my closest friends because they're going to have an effect on my life. So I need to be careful about who I listen to. I need to be careful about who I'm in closest relationship with. I want to be clear here, guys. I'm not saying at all we shouldn't be friends with people that, that don't share our beliefs. I've got friends that are atheists. I've got friends that, uh, that don't believe any of the stuff I believe about God. But they're not my closest friends. They're not, and they never will be, right? Um, but I'm going to maintain a relationship with them because, you know what, someday their heart may change, and who are they going to come to if they want to get close to God if I'm just completely, if I've cut them off? Okay, now when I was uh, using drugs, 
there were relationships that had to go because there were uh, people that I just, I could not maintain a relationship with and, be, and maintain sobriety. And so they just had to be completely cut off. Um, and so that may be a situation, but we're not saying just ignore everybody in your life that doesn't love God. We are saying put yourself in a position to help them because that's what a wise person can do is they can help them. Number three, if I want to be blessed by God, I will practice the godly discipline of number three, finding delight in God's word. Finding delight in God's word. Uh, it says in Psalm 1-2, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Um, I want to encourage you to be disciplined about being in God's word. Uh, finding joy in, in being in God's word. <clears throat> if you feel like um, getting into the scripture is a labor uh, or something you just don't enjoy, I just want to encourage you to, to get into it and start practicing it. Because if you don't enjoy it right now, once you start practicing it and seeing the practical effects and benefits on your life, you will. You will get excited about getting in God's word when you realize this is for real. Guys, when we talk about getting in God's word, I mean it. It's God's word. Every single person who wrote a book in this Bible either could perform miracles or they could predict the future with 100% accuracy. They didn't just claim to have authority from God, they demonstrated it. And so when we're reading Psalm 1 today, yeah, it was written by David under the inspiration of God through the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. When we say there's some practical advice for you to have a blessed life, these principles that I'm giving you, guys, this, this should have the authority and the weight of God because this is coming right out of his word. It's his word. So remember that. That's one of the things that should help you get excited about getting into it. When you get into his word, guys, and you start doing what it says, it's going to bless your life. So I just want you to ask, though, do I get excited about spending time in God's word? Do I get excited about it? Do I get excited about what God is teaching me? Do I crave spiritual nourishment? You want to know one of the ways you can tell whether you're passionate about getting into God's word or not? What do you find yourself talking about? What do you find yourself talking about? Do you ever talk about what God is teaching you as you're spending time with him? Do you ever talk about the insight that God has given you or, or, the, or the victory that you've had because of something these do you, do you ever talk about that stuff? Those of you that are regularly in the word and serious about it, you do. I know, because you tell me. And we share those victory. We talk about it. But those of you that, that maybe don't as much, this is something you need to check. Like, is this a topic of conversation for me? If I'm never talking about God and, and what he's teaching me in his word, Maybe I'm not very passionate about it. You guys realize, uh, I, I just want to encourage you, give them a chance. Give them a chance. When you get in there and start practicing this stuff, I'm telling you, it's going to change your life for the better. You're going to get closer to God. You're going to have wisdom to share with others, and your life is going to get better because you're going to be living righteously. And as you do that, and as you experience these blessings, when you get excited, man, you just kind of gush praise, right? When you're really excited about something, 
This will be one of those things that you get excited about as you draw closer to God. You'll find yourself talking about it more. And guys, God's word deserves your attention. It does, because it's, he deserves your attention. He deserves it. Have you ever set aside a special time just to spend with him? Right? I know some of you do that regularly. Some of you like getting up in the morning. Uh, some of you are night owls like me. Um, have you ever taken a special retreat? Just you and God? Right? Like some of my favorite times when I was younger is I used to go up in these bluffs way up in the, in the uh, hills in Arkansas. And I would go up there with my journal and my Bible. And I would sit on these bluffs and I would overlook the White River and the forest and everything and like just out, out in the outdoors and I would sit out there and I would read my Bible and then I would journal what God was, was teaching me. And I went up there all the time and would do that. And those are some of those special times. That was just, just me and God. Just me and God. Just getting away. Nobody else. Just me and him. And I love that. If you've never experienced anything like that or tried anything like that, I want to encourage you. Give God a chance. He's waiting. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to want to spend time with him. He's relational. In Proverbs 13, 13, it says, Those who despise the word bring destruction on themselves, but those who respect the commandment will be rewarded. God promises to reward those who obey his word. If you look at a commandment and say, I don't really care what that says, that's what it means to despise it. You just don't obey you just look and say, eh, I don't really care. Um, don't do that. The way to life is to apply this. One of the things that makes being in God's word a delight is when you realize how much God loves you. And one of the things we do here at the Crossings every week is we take communion together. And communion is uh, something that was instituted by Jesus uh, back before he went to the cross. He was having a meal with his friends. It was a Passover celebration. At one point in the um, meal, if you read the Bible and the story about Jesus and what happened there, uh, he took some bread and he broke it and he gave all of his friends a piece and he said, take this, this is my body that's going to be broken for you. I want you to take this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup of wine and he gave them all a drink. He said, this is my blood that's going to be spilled for you. I want you to take this in remembrance of me. Uh, and this wouldn't have made sense to them then, but shortly thereafter, Jesus was arrested, he was falsely accused, he was tried, and he was crucified. All the disciples scattered, they ran away, uh, they thought everything was over, and then after three days, he came back from the dead, and they realized everything he had said about himself was true. It's one thing to say you're God, it's another thing to come back from the dead. Uh, the whole of Christianity is, is based on the historical fact of the resurrection. If you take that away, uh, Christianity goes away. So the fact that he rose from the dead, he came back, and it was after he came back, I think he opened the mind of, of the disciples to what communion really meant. This became something uh, in the early church that they took every Sunday when they got together. They would gather on Sunday Instead of the traditional Sabbath, which was Saturday, that's when the Jews gathered, they gathered on Sunday because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. 
And when they gathered together in their assemblies, they would take communion together uh, to remember that we serve a God who loves us so much that he came into the world, made himself a man, and, and died on a cross for me and for you. And so when I'm opening up his word, guys, you're opening up a love letter that God wrote you. You're opening up a love letter that he gave you to to give you the opportunity to have a blessed life. You're opening up a love letter from a God who wants to bless you. He wants to give you a good life. He wants to equip you to deal with anything. He's good and he loves you. And so if you struggle with getting into his word, if it's not a delight, I want you to think about how much he loves you as we take communion this morning. Because I think if you make the connection with how God feels about you and what he wants to do for you through his word and through the disciplines we're talking about, I think it'll change your heart where maybe you do find delight. Because guys, you know he finds delight in you. He does. Let's pray. God, as we take communion this morning, help us to remember you are a God who takes delight in us. You are a God who wants to give us a great life. You are a God who is good all the time. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Fourthly, if I want to be blessed by God, I will practice the godly discipline of number four, properly understanding and applying God's word. Properly understanding and applying God's word. It says in Psalm 1 2, B, uh, blesses one who meditates on his law day and night. Uh, that word meditate shows up in the Bible about 23 times. I think it's 19 times in the Psalms. It does not mean sitting with an empty mind, uh, sitting Indian style, you know, in a yoga pose with, with incense and, and all that. So it's not what it's talking about when it says meditate. That's an Eastern thing. Uh, the Eastern religions took the concept of meditation from uh, Jewish religion. This started with the Jews. And meditation, again, was not uh, any of the New Agey kind of stuff. It was just thinking about God's Word and rolling it over in your mind over and over again, trying to come to the proper understanding so that you could properly apply, okay? It was to meditate on what God had said so that you can get the lesson out of it. Because not every time God says something, you can just instantly grasp what it, what it means. Like sometimes he, Jesus even in parables, he would couch lessons in these kind of complex stories sometimes precisely because he wants you to meditate on them. He wants you to think about them. He wants you to find yourself in them. We're going to be looking at a lot of parables here in the next few weeks. <clears throat> um, those are crafted by Jesus precisely so that they can be meditated upon. Have you guys caught yourself doing this when, you, when we go over a parable and it kind of paints a picture in your mind? right? Do you find yourself thinking about that stuff later? That's meditation. Okay? And I think what David is getting at here is uh, there's a connection between the discipline of being in God's word daily and meditating on it and being blessed by God. 
He says, I meditate, it, meditate on his law day and night. How often is that? It's every day, right? It's every day. How often does he say he reads God's word? Every day, okay? Um, this is what David is saying here. I read it, I spend time in it, and I think about it. It's on my mind. He's on my mind a lot, right? Um, in Psalm 119, it says, Oh, hi, I love your law. Meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. The, the link here is to understanding, okay? Now, meditation and properly understanding God's word is something that you're going to need help with. Some passages are real simple, guys. If you read them, just about everybody in here is going to nail it. If, I, if you read that and say, what does that mean? You're going to nail it. There's others that, that aren't as, as clear. Uh, and, and honestly, some are just more naturally gifted uh, at reading comprehension than others. Sometimes people can come in, like we study the Bible with everybody that joins the church. Um, I get to go to some of those, and, and I get to kind of get a read and uh, figure out sometimes whether somebody's comprehension level is where it needs to be. Some of you guys start out with really, really good comprehension, where you read a passage, and then you're like, okay. Others, man, it takes a couple years before you start, uh, when you read a passage, getting the proper sense of what it even means. And it's just a natural giftedness. And that's okay, guys. You don't have to be a scholar to follow Jesus. You, you want to know what you do need to be? You need to be a seeker and you need to be somebody who will listen. Because even if you're illiterate and can't read at all, if you can take correction, God will work in your life. God will put somebody in your life that can help you. You don't have to be a huge reader uh, or like a professor to follow Jesus. You just need to be teachable. That's the difference. If you say, I don't want to, or I'm not going to, that's not teachable. So you just need to be teachable. That's it. One of the things that has really helped in my personal meditations is, is uh, the discipline of journaling. Um, now, I do this all the time when I'm pre preparing for lessons. That's basically how I prepare. Um, but one of the things that I've done in my life, too, is, is had an actual physical journal. Like when I was telling you those retreats I used to go on by myself, like just out in the mountain, that's what I would do is I'd take my journal up there. And what I was doing is as I was reading God's word, sometimes I would just write out the passage of scripture by hand that I was reading. I just write it out. Why? Because it makes me slow down and look at every word. And as I slow down and look at every word, I often will see things that I didn't see before. Right? It makes me slow down and think about it. Then I will write underneath it in my own words. How do I, let me, let me write this out and I'm just going to put it in my word. Okay, that gives me another level of understanding of what's being said here. Say, okay, wh where is this in the larger argument of what's being said here? Or where, you know, where's the application? I would just sit there and spend time with that passage. And I would roll it over in my head again and again. I would go and look at what other people have said about it. Right? Like I go study it a little bit. I would go look and see what, what some uh, scholars said about it, maybe. You know, look at that. But, but the idea is it's a deeper level of engagement with God's word than just a passive reading. Like I'm really spending time with it and I'm digging into it. Guys, every word is inspired by the Lord. 
Just getting into those words sometimes and looking at what they mean. Like it makes a difference. And so all of this, guys, that I've given you, these four principles, I want you to see that these are all disciplines that you can practice. If you say, I want to have a blessed life, I want 2023 to be a blessed life, these are all things you can practically do. These are practices. These are things you can do uh, to, to have a blessed life. Things you can practically start to do. David presents practicing these disciplines or not as having really serious consequences. David urges me to choose between discipline or destruction. Okay? That's the contrast that he puts out here. Uh, because he goes on in verse 3, talking about the person who spends good time in God's Word and, and contemplates it and applies it. He says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. He's saying if you get into God's Word and you're disciplined about knowing and applying His truth to your life, you are like a tree that's planted by streams of water that's just constantly getting fed and you are giving fruit to everybody, and it's, it's the good stuff, right? Back in the ancient world, this would have been special, okay? Uh, now, we understand this illustration, but we don't taste the fruit. Back when they were originally hearing this, they would have tasted the fruit because this was a treat to have fruit from a tree like this. What's something uh, that we really like, but we can't get in Illinois? The first thing that comes to mind to me is In-N-Out Burger, Okay, you can't get In-N-Out Burger here in Illinois. I used to live in California. We know about In-N-Out Burger. You guys around here don't know about it. Um, Del, Taco. Del Taco. I don't hear any response from anybody. That was what? Roosters. Okay. Uh, you guys did not help me at all. So I'm just going to say. This person is like In-N-Out Burger. This person is like something really good that you don't see all the time or don't get all the time. See, and this is special. If you're a person who knows God's word and applies God's word, this is special. You're, you're like a tree that's planted by streams of water that's just going to be in season all the time, that's going to be feeding people all the time. You're this, you're this picture of, of, of this special thing that's just given, 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 and it's always, it's always good, right? Then he says, not so the wicked. So he's going to contrast this now. Not so the wicked. What's the wicked, guys? Just people that don't listen to God, right? It's not some beady-eyed monster. It's just somebody that doesn't love God. Not really, Okay. He says, not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. The contrast here is the, the righteous are going to be something that is a blessing, that is around, that is life-giving. But then those that don't follow God, there's not going to be any life to give. They're just going to fade away. Their, their, their life really isn't going, in the grand scheme of things, to amount to much. And guys, I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that because the difference between these two types of people is one is connected to the eternal source of life and one is not. 
And so if you want to have a blessed life, you've got to make a decision. Am I going to go this route or am I going to go this route? It really does come down to your choices and who you choose to listen to. The wicked are like chaff. Chaff is husks of corn or seed. Like when you're a farmer and you're, you're getting the grain, just the trash that kind of gets blown away. It's really, there, there's nothing to it. Part of the role of the church is to create a community where you have the opportunity to be everything that God wants you to be. And so we're going to close today. Uh, but I don't just want to close to close. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Anytime we open God's word uh, and are convicted, we have a choice to make. Am I going to act on this and, and, and do something different? Or am I just going to let this go in one ear and out the other and keep going life as usual? I want to encourage you, if you were challenged by something this morning, don't just sit on that and don't do anything with it. I want to encourage you, if there are any of these disciplines that we talked about this morning that you are not currently practicing, I want to challenge you to, to give it a shot this week. Just spend some time with God this week. Guys, studies have been done. Uh, they, there's a huge difference in the lives of people who are in the Word most days a week and those who aren't. I want to challenge you to read the Bible four days out of this week. Just most days. Read the Bible. Spend some time in God's Word. Not just reading it to check it off your to-do list, but to understand what His Word is saying and how you can properly apply it. There's that contemplation piece. Just do what we said in this lesson to do and watch God work. If you are not connected to God, or if you're interested in a relationship with God, or if you're struggling with something, I want to encourage you to indicate that on your card, and somebody will follow up with you. If you have questions, okay, indicate you like a personal Bible study. If you're interested in small groups, indicate that you'd like more information about small groups. If there's something specific that you need help with, if you're struggling with something and you need to talk to somebody, indicate that you'd like to talk with somebody on there. We will follow up, guys. We keep those confidential. Uh, and we're a church full of addicts and alcoholics and people who have been hurt really bad and abused. And so there's nothing you're going to share with us that we haven't heard or that uh, we, we don't have a number of people that have had victory over. In, in our congregation here, I guarantee you. Uh, you're in a safe place. Nobody's going to look down on you, but we do want to help you. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song. And during that song, you're going to have time to fill that card out. And so I want to encourage you, fill that card out. Then we'll sing one more song to close, and we'll pass some baskets. And you can drop your card in that basket, and we'll have somebody follow up. Uh, thank you guys for your attention today. Let's pray and close. And uh, I'm looking forward to a great year with you guys. Uh, God, I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for uh, all of the kids that uh, got to go on the trip this week. Uh, we've got a number down in Florida that are learning about you and singing praise to you. And uh, we look forward to them coming back and just pray blessings on their trip. God, I want to pray for us this morning as we think about applying your word to our lives, that you help us to do that faithfully. God, as we think about filling these cards out, uh, some of us may be on the fence for whether we should share something or ask for help with something. God, give us the prompting we need to be brave, understanding we're in a safe place where we can get help because the people here love you and are connected to you and they want to share that love with others. 
We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.